Today on The Journey. You know that he is still in control and your confidence and your comfort and your strength is in him. Count it pure joy when you become immersed in these trials of many kinds. Like the flames of a raging fire chewing away at your heart, testing and trials can burn your faith to the ground unless you're ready for them. So on today's broadcast, Ron Moore will offer words of preparation from someone well acquainted with fiery trials and how to quench them. Also, after the message, I'll let you know about Ron's challenging publication called Faith, Dead or Alive. It offers a vital examination of genuine faith. Faith, Dead or Alive is available as a digital download for a gift of any amount at ronmoore.org. Your donation today will help further this ministry of developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now here's Ron with part one of the message, Dealing with Trials on the Journey. Of all questions, why is the most searching and the most tormenting? Today we're going to begin a look at the book of James, chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. And James is not going to answer the why. You're going to have to live with that. But James will answer the how. How we can live with that and how we can respond the way God is asking us to respond. Today we're going to see the characteristics of a trial. We're going to determine how we should respond to it And then we're going to see how God uses trials in our life. Let's read James chapter 1, verse 2 through 12. James is writing to persecuted, scattered Jewish believers when he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers. That's a generic term, brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think He will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, unstable in all he does. The brother in humble circumstance ought to take pride in his high positions. James is still talking about being in the middle of trials. But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he's going to pass away like a wildflower for the sun rises with its scorching heat, withers the plant, its blossoms fall, its beauty is destroyed in the same way the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his successful business. Verse 12, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. First thing we want to learn from this passage is the characteristics of trials. 
I don't have to tell you what trials are like. You have lived through them. You have all experienced, we have all experienced some type of hardship, some type of difficulty, some unexpected event that comes into our lives and literally knocks the props out from underneath us. But there are three things that are important for us to understand as we deal with trials. First, trials are external. They are those things that come into our life. We are enticed in our heart and we are dragged away by temptation, but trials are those things that hit us unaware. Look at verse 2. Consider it pure joy, James says, when you face trials of many kinds. That word face literally means fall into. Jesus uses that same word in Luke chapter 10 in the story of the Good Samaritan. The traveler fell into the hands of robbers. He didn't want to fall into the hands of robbers, but he all of a sudden was personally engaged with these robbers and they beat him and they robbed him and they left him half dead. And so trials sometimes when they come into our life, we don't invite them, we don't want them, but we fall into them. We are personally involved with them and they beat us or so it seems and they rob us of certain things and they leave us, it feels, sometimes for half dead. Secondly, trials are inevitable. James says again in chapter 1, verse 2, not if by chance, maybe when you might possibly happen to see a trial. He says, whenever you face trials of many kinds, it's going to happen. There's no way around it. Jesus said in John chapter 16, in this world, you will have trouble. We're going to age. We're going to go through all the serious issues of life. We're going to have trouble. Trials are inevitable. And thirdly, trials come in many forms. James says, consider it pure joy, when you face trials of many kinds. That word, many kinds, is used to describe a garment that is woven together with many colors. Trials are going to come in various shapes and sizes. They're going to come in different areas of your life. They're going to come to different people in your life. Sometimes they're going to hit you directly. Sometimes they're going to hit others directly. But you're going to feel them. All kinds of trials. They're going to range from disappointment to devastation. You're going to face all types and kinds and colors and forms of trials in your life. Trials basically have three sources. First, we have trials because we're human. We live in a world. Sickness, accidents, aging, disappointments, conflicts, bad decisions. We didn't mean to make the bad decision, but we did, and we have to live with the consequences of it. These things all come into our life. Trials may come as a result of sin. You've made a really bad decision. You have sinned. You've gone against God. You've gone your own way. You realize it now. You're repentant of it. You're in a process of restoration. But the trial you're living in is the discipline, the consequences of sin. Trials may be sourced in sin. And thirdly, trials may be sourced, as many people are going through today in our world, in the middle of persecution. Maybe fearing life. Or maybe more subtle, like teenagers 
there's a certain group of kids that you're ostracized from because you've made a stand that you're not going to do the stuff they do. And you're made fun of. Maybe that happens at work. Because you're a Christian, there is some type of trial that's going on in your life. Trials are going to come. They are inevitable. Many shapes, many sizes. What are we going to do with them? I have to warn you that James is going to tell us to do something with them that is quite honestly abnormal. That is supernatural. Look at verse 2 again. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Whenever these trials come, James says, believer, you are to respond to these trials with an attitude of joy. And in case we missed it, James adds another word, pure joy, unmixed joy, full joy. Now let's think about that for a bit. What does James mean when he says we should respond to these different types of trials with joy? The believer is not joyful for trials, but in trials. When the inevitable difficulties come, James says you can have a deep, settled attitude of unmixed joy in spite of the difficulty, in spite of the grief, in spite of the pain. Down deep within you, there is a sense that the eternal God who you know as your heavenly Father through Jesus Christ is at work in your life. And while it is devastating, deep inside there is a peace that He is going to work this thing out. And while you know that you may lose something you love or a great sacrifice may take place, you know that He is still in control and your confidence and your comfort and your strength is in Him. Count it pure joy. When you fall in, when you become immersed in these trials of many kinds. Remember who James is writing to? He is writing, if you look back in verse 1, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. These are Jewish Christians who are no strangers to trials. Let's just pretend for a moment you are the first recipients of this letter. You are a Jewish Christian. And you just trusted in Christ, and this is the greatest thing that happened in your life. And all of a sudden, they're coming to kill you. And so as fast as you can at night, you get as many belongings as you can, you take your children around you, whom you love, and you take off by night, and you go to another country where you've never been before. You have left all your money behind. You have left your way of making money behind. And you are dirt poor. And you get this letter from James. Count it pure joy when you face all these trials. How does that instruction set with you? By the way, it's an imperative. You find it difficult to respond with an attitude of joy. Not for the trials. No one invites them. But when they come, when you're in the middle of them, how do you respond to trials? James is going to tell us how to do it. And I warn you again, we may not like the answer. Because we live in a time when most people proclaim a gospel of prosperity. If God is on your side, you're never going to be sick. If God is on your side, you're going to be wealthy. If God is on your side, 
and you're on His, you're never going to be disappointed. Your work's going to be low stress and high pay. You're going to retire early, move to Florida, play golf all day, and bridge all night. And let's face it, we can read through the wackos on TV that tell us this stuff, but there's something inside of us that says, hey God, wait a minute. Look what I'm doing for you. You better keep up your end of the bargain. And look at all the service I give to you. How are you going to reward me for this? This is not what I expected. And so James says, you're going to have to start thinking differently. We're going to have to start thinking differently. We don't invite them, but when they come, we know that the all-wise, all-loving, heavenly Father who sent His Son to die just for us, who loves us with an everlasting love, is going to work through those trials. Let's see how He's going to work, James tells us. The first thing He's going to do is this. He's going to demonstrate that our faith is for real. You want to know if you're just playing a game with God or if it's for real? See how you respond to a trial. Look at verse 3. Consider it pure joy because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Let's focus on those words, testing of your faith. The word testing here means proving. Demonstrates that something is genuine. In the midst of the trial, the Christian stays the course. They don't jettison their faith. They don't become bitter. They don't curse God and die. If they truly know Jesus Christ, there's a sense that they realize that their faith is for real. Don't you know when you face death, whether you know it's going to happen or it happens like that, don't you want to know that the next waking thought you will be in heaven with the Lord for eternity? Don't you want to know that for certain? Well, James says, God will show you that your faith is for real as you go through trials, as you respond to trials. Here's the way Peter says it. In this you greatly rejoice, though for now, for a little while, while you may have had to suffer griefs of all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor that Christ is revealed. So one thing that happens through trials, God uses them to demonstrate to us our faith is genuine. Secondly, trials develop perseverance. Again, look at verse 3. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. James says, because you know. James says, I'm not telling you anything new here. You know that when you live through a trial and you seek God's help and His grace and His comfort, you know that when you do that, it develops perseverance within you. If you want to become a marathon runner and you never run before, you would not get up tomorrow morning and run the 20-whatever miles of the marathon. You would have to develop endurance through perseverance. You'd have to get up and you might make it a quarter of a mile if you've never run before. And then you may do that for a week and then make it a half mile and then a mile. And after a while you're running two miles. You are building endurance. Patient endurance. And it's going to hurt. And your lungs are going to burn. And your legs are going to hurt. And you're not going to want to get out of bed. But if you do it, you will endure. I had a professor who used to say, 
Every time I get the urge to go run, I just lay down on the couch and the urge goes away. (laughs) And sometimes in the middle of trials, we have this urge to lay down on the couch, so to speak, and just let it go away. But perseverance produces endurance. Here's the key to perseverance, and this is the toughest part. Perseverance means I have to surrender my will to the will of God. You ever notice that God is not on our time frame? If we're in a hurry, He's not. If we're not in a hurry, He is. It's His timing. And perseverance says, I am willing to submit myself, to surrender my will to the will of God. I'm going to let Him take me through this trial. I didn't ask for it. I hope it doesn't come again, but I'm in it. And I'm going to let Him teach me perseverance because I'm going to submit my will to His. Warren Wiersbe says this, if we go through trials without surrendered wills, we will end up more like immature children than mature adults. Impatient, wanting our way, not wanting to wait for anything, never staying the course, never persevering, never enduring, and sadly, never growing in our Christian life. Endurance is produced in trials. Another one. Trials develop spiritual maturity. Look at verse 4. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The word mature there means complete in all parts. And the word complete here means having reached its end. So trials mean when you keep running, you'll develop perseverance. And when you develop that patient endurance of perseverance, guess what? You're going to grow up. You're going to become become spiritually mature. Things are going to happen in your life that are going to cause you, force you to develop as a follower of Jesus Christ. We don't develop during the easy times. We're not learning how to run the marathon when we lay down in bed and don't get up. It's through perseverance. It develops maturity within us. The discipline of perseverance. The joy of perseverance. You remember the story that Jesus told of the seeds and the sower in Luke chapter 8? The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not what? They don't mature. The seed falls into a thorny place, and instead of finding the peace and joy of the Lord in the trial, instead of saying, by God's grace, I'm going to get through this, persevering, they are choked out by its worries. Instead of doing what God has called us to, they seek the riches of it. Instead of going through the difficulties, they want the pleasure of life. And Jesus said, when they do that, they don't mature. So how are you doing in the midst of your trial? One person wrote this. One by one, God took them from me. All the things I valued most. Till I was empty-handed, every glittering toy was lost. 
And I walked earth's highways, grieving in my rags and poverty, until I heard his voice inviting, lift those empty hands to me. And I turned my hands toward heaven, and I filled them with a store of his own transcendent riches, till I could contain no more. And at last I comprehended with my stupid mind so dull that God cannot pour his riches into hands already full. It's during those trials when God takes away our toys, when we really see what's important in life, when our hands are empty, when he begins to mature us. Here's another one. The right response will be rewarded. How can you go through these trials? Well, because you know that the right response will one day be rewarded. One thing that James is going to remind us over and over again is that this life is not it. He wants to give us an eternal perspective. In the midst of trials, one way you get through them, one way you can say, I can have peace in this, is to say, I'm not going to have to live here forever. One day, every tear is going to be wiped away. James says it this way, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. The crown there is a word for a victor's wreath. It was given to the runner who broke the line first. It was given to the soldier who came back from battle victorious, and a wreath was put on his head. He received the crown of victory. And so James says, one day, Christ's going to put on your head the crown of life, eternal life. And then you'll be able to look back and not hardly even remember those trials that seem so overwhelming today. He's going to give you the crown of life. And finally, a proper response to trials demonstrates our love for God. Again, look at verse 12. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. You know the greatest motivator in life is love. When you love someone, you'll do anything for them. You will go through anything for them. And when we love God, we will demonstrate our love to him. A right response in the midst of trial is to demonstrate our love for God. And please stay with us. Ron returns in a few moments with a look at our next time together. How do you know when your faith or that of a friend or loved one is a living faith? Is it proved by a walk down a church aisle, praying a salvation prayer or attending catechism classes? Or is there other evidence that must be displayed? That question is asked and answered in Ron Moore's PDF booklet titled, Faith, Dead or Alive. In Faith, Dead or Alive, Ron outlines the characteristics of genuine belief and how you can perceive their presence animating your life. It's the most important waypoint on the spiritual journey. Faith, Dead or Alive is yours as a digital download for a gift of any amount at ronmoore.org. Again, that web address is ronmore.org. Your donation today will help keep the journey on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now here's Ron with a preview of our next broadcast. Some trials stop us in our tracks. They take all our energy. 
They take all our attention. We really can't focus on anything else. We have to stop our life to deal with that trial. And during those times, we pray intense prayers on our knees before God. Lord, help me through this thing. What are you trying to teach me? Help me to learn. There are other trials that bowl us over. They knock us down. And these are times for what I would call flares of the heart. I mean, we're just shooting up flares. It hurts so bad that we really can't even concentrate long enough to put a sentence together, much less a paragraph of prayer. Flares of the heart. So whatever your situation, whatever range of trial you are in, whatever prayer you are praying, James says, shoot it up. Reflection on your knees, flares. We hope you can join us for that message next time. And please remember to order your copy of Ron Moore's PDF booklet, Faith, Dead or Alive. It's a vital checkup on your spiritual health. Faith, Dead or Alive is available for a donation of any amount. You can get it online at ronmoore.org. Again, that web address is ronmoore.org. Also, for our Pittsburgh area listeners, the Real Conversation continues at the Bible Chapel with Real Talk, Conversations from Corinth. In Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church, we'll discover what God has to say about leadership, sex, life, victory, and connection. This is a series you won't want to miss. The Bible Chapel has campuses across the greater Pittsburgh area. Visit BibleChapel.org for a location near you. Again, that address is BibleChapel.org. And if the journey has brightened your day and deepened your walk with Christ, won't you tell your friends and family about our program? Finally, please keep in mind that the journey relies on your generous donations to remain on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Your gift today will be deeply appreciated. Thanks for listening. And we invite you to join Ron next time as we walk together on the journey.